Welcome, welcome, welcome to the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. This is your place to get all the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't, and giving you inside access other shows can't. This week's ep, I'm joined by Nick Richards. The Hornets big man stops by to chat about the ebbs and flows of the third season, what he worked on in the offseason to make such a leap growth-wise this year, potentially getting more playing time over the season's final 20-plus games, his thoughts on rookie Mark Williams, his favorite moment in the NBA so far, and more. So you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. So here we are, the week of the NBA trade deadline, and with the Hornets sitting with one of the league's worst records at 15-40 and 40 as they prepare to go on a two-game road trip to D.C. and Boston wrapped around a trade deadline, it's one of those things that I wrote earlier, it's become painfully obvious that A, the roster has to change, and B, it's also fair to wonder if it's time for the Hornets to start being sellers as the deadline approaches coming on Thursday. And anybody who's watched this team all season knows that, yes, they've had a lot of injuries, and that includes even having Cody Martin still out, one of the top defenders, uh, Kelly Oubre, obviously, same with him, one of the best scorers. He's been out, so they're still dealing with injuries, but it can't be an excuse anymore. And at this point, with the team going the direction that they are, would it be inevitable that they're going to finish with either 14th or last record in the Eastern Conference? It's going to be either them or Detroit. It depends on who picks up a couple of more wins. But the Hornets are going nowhere right now, and it's obvious they have to start thinking about the future now. And whether that means they go out there and make a bunch of trades, I still don't see that happening because that's not really Mitch Kupchak style. If anybody who's followed his career since he's been here, especially with the Hornets, he doesn't make splashy moves during the season especially. He waits to try to make any of his bigger moves in the summertime when he has more of a market. There's not um, people who are trying to maybe jack up the price of a particular player you're trying to acquire or even players you're trying to move. So, but they're going to, in my estimation, in, in my best guess, talking to people who I trust, do something. Now, what that is, I don't know. The obvious answer centers around Mason Plumlee because Mason has had a career season and he's in the last year of a contract that pays him eight and a half million dollars. And I believe he has a trade kicker of just over a half million dollars. So he has a cap figure of about $9 million, um, which if you're a playoff caliber team, um, seeing what he's done this season, be able to kind of resurrect his career a little bit and and have some pretty good games getting double-doubles. If you can bring him off the bench, it might be beneficial for you if you're a playoff team. So I can see the Hornets moving Mason because it makes the most sense. Um, Kelly Oubre, if you read my article that I talked to him um, about when 
we were in Chicago last week to kind of get his thoughts on where he's at health-wise and where he's at uh, mentally with trying to still be with the Hornets. And nothing's changed from that aspect from what he's told me several times. He likes it here in Charlotte and he still wants to be here. So unless something wows the Hornets, which definitely is a possibility, um, I have to wait to see what happens with Kelly, but there's no definitive move the Hornets can make right now that's going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to be a better team for next year because, again, moving a veteran or two is fine. But to go out there and actually try to acquire a player who you're going to have beyond this year, that, to me, is going to be more difficult for the Hornets to do. You know, there's rumors out there about um, different players potentially, but those are usually, again, just rumors. Nine times out of ten, as Steve Clifford said previously um, a couple days ago, uh, in his experience in the NBA, a lot of these rumors are stuff that's just out there, and some of these GMs don't even talk to these teams about these deals that you may see out there. So it's just going to be interesting to see exactly what the Hornets want to do moving forward because, as we know, with things going in the direction that they are right now, it's going to be time to play the young players pretty soon here. Then we have a few games left before the All-Star break. And once the All-Star break comes back and games resume, the Hornets actually have the second easiest schedule of any team in the NBA post-All-Star break. So you're going to have to try to break it down here and figure out exactly how you want to move forward and what pieces you think are worth hanging on to before you try to retool this thing and, and, and get it going again in the summertime, because this has been just a wild 12 months for the Hornets in terms of just their coaching changes. Obviously what happened with Miles Bridges just everything has kind of just been out of whack for this franchise. And this season has been no different. So at some point, the next couple of days here, the deadline approaches, we're going to see what Mitch Kupchak's vision is moving forward for the final 20-plus games. Because right now, as we can see, it's kind of ironic the Hornets actually have in the midst of one of their best stretches, they actually are four and six in their last 10 games going into their matchup against the Wizards in D.C. on Wednesday before they go to Boston to take on the Celtics in, in Boston on Friday. But it just goes to show you just, again, just how wacky things have been for this team. They've lost four straight going to this action, but it's just been such a turbulent season, not only injury-wise, but just with everything else that just hasn't gone right for this team. So will they take a step forward here and try to maybe ship off a veteran or two as I've written? We'll see. But in my estimation, I think they almost have to because to hang on to a player or two who you probably won't bring back next season. It's time for you to get an asset for those players 
which means it's time for you also to start playing the younger guys and start looking toward 2023-2024. All right, time for our weekly mailbag segment, which, as you guys know, is one of my favorite parts of the pod. I just love interacting with you guys and get some of your thought-provoking questions. So a lot of them this week are about the trade specifically and who the Hornets may try to target or stuff like that. So we'll talk about those things as well um, as we move forward in a couple of days here. But I want to give you a couple of just more wide-ranging questions right now. I think are really kind of good. So first one comes from Jake G on Twitter, and it's at J Genevere, G-E-N-O-V-E-R-E on Twitter. And the question is, are there any reclamation projects you'd like to see the Hornets target at the trade deadline? For example, Cam Reddish, a guy with lots of talent, but just hasn't been able to put it all together yet. You know, Jake, it's funny that you asked that because, well, I can understand that if you can maybe pick somebody up per se on a cheap, who you can maybe figure out, you can kind of rehab. In my mind, the Hornets don't need any more younger players, any more kind of rehab players. They have enough youth as it is. And I think this honestly was one of the roster's flaws this season was not having a little more veterans, a couple more veterans out there to be able to guide this team because the core, even though there's, you know, players like obviously um, Gordon Hayward and Mason Plumlee and Terry Rozier, the core with like LaMelo um, and, you know, though even Mark Williams have been there now, um, you know, he's going to be part of the future. You know, some of the younger guys, Jalen McDaniels, um, you know, obviously Bryce, Bryce McGowan's is, is a guy they're going to kind of look forward to in the next couple of years. Um, you know, Cody Martin's obviously uh, still kind of in the mix there. Like, they still need some veteran players to sprinkle amongst these guys who have actually won and kind of done it. Because until you have somebody around you who can kind of literally show you the ropes and say, you know what, young whippersnapper, um, I know where you're coming from, but when I was with X team and we went to the playoffs four years in a row, this is how we did it. And this is how things work for us. So until they kind of get that going and find somebody else um, or a, a player or two who can bring in that same kind of um, mentality and experience, I don't think they really need reclamation project in my mind. And again, I can understand where you'd be coming from because you think that, Hey, if I get somebody on the cheap, going to benefit me long-term, potentially. Yeah, but the Hornets have enough players they kind of need to still mold and get um, to a certain level. So to me, you want to be able to bring in some players who have already done it. That way, they can, again, show them the ropes and also be a player to kind of lean on um, as a coaching staff on the floor out there when things aren't going the way you want to as a coach. You have somebody on the floor to bring the guy together and say, hey, Let's cut it out and do what we're supposed to do and win this basketball game. So um, good question, Jake. I definitely can see where you're coming from in that. But from the Horns' perspective, in my mind, I, I wouldn't go that route. So thanks for that question. Uh, second question comes from at HU Cosell on Twitter. And the question is, I'd love to know what the overall spirit of the, the team is right now. Between the losses, injuries, and nearly everyone rumored to be in the trading block, what's the morale of the team? That's a very good question. And I can tell you that in talking to the guys, being around them, they obviously know it's a business. They definitely are not happy with losing because that's just not what 
again, as a pro athlete, you want to do. You are all about winning. Yeah, getting paid is really good, and and that helps you out, and you can set up yourself up for, for life and your family for life. But if you're a real competitor, you want to go out there and win. So these guys are hurting to not be able to have put it together the way they want to. Like They think that sometimes these teams come in and say, oh, look at their record, say it's going to be an off night for the Hornets. It's going to be an easy night for us. They don't want to be just a team that kind of comes in and people think they're a bottom feeder because, you know, they can just come in and, and just, they're going to roll over. They don't want that kind of um, mentality to, to creep in. And to me, they haven't just haven't done what they're supposed to do overall. They haven't played great defense. Um, they just have showed their flaws at times and just by, by rushing shots, not closing out games the right way. Um, they've been on the road. It feels like forever, which again, for a young team is not a great thing either because, you know, you have the road crowd against you almost every night and the lessons that you're learning aren't helping because you aren't having your crowd to kind of push you in the right direction. So they just had had almost Murphy's Law this year for them. Whatever could go wrong, has gone wrong, has gone wrong. But for the most part, the morale has been good. You know, after the games in the locker room, they've still been in very good spirits having fun, joking around, things that you would want to see as a normal human being. But again, it's not like they're not um, upset about losing. They definitely don't like losing. I mean, it gets tough talking to guys after they lost three or four or five games in a row. They don't want to talk to anybody, much less me. I have to kind of ask questions about why is this going wrong again, again, and again. So, um, but but no, I, I the, the morale's not as bad as maybe you would think but they definitely are not happy with losing. Um, but they also know that they've been kind of dealt with a bad hand with injuries this year. So it's kind of been like a double, triple whammy for them this year. So um, great question at HU Cosell on Twitter. Great question. Thank you guys once again for your thought-provoking inquiries. I really appreciate that. Um, so this week, a chance to speak with Nick Richards, who, as you guys know, kind of been in and out of lineup a little bit this year. He kind of had that um, ankle sprain when he was in L.A. after he was playing for a while then hasn't played as much since because Steve Clifford has been given a lot of playing time to Mark Williams um, at backup center. So I just kind of wanted to get Mark, uh, Nick's take on just kind of where things are at right now with him and his season and where he's been and where he's going and what he wants to um, get out of the rest of these 20-something-plus games. So here's my conversation with Nick Richards. I am joined by the great Nick Richards. Thanks for joining me, Nick. Appreciate it, bro. Um, just first, man, this is your third season. What's it been like? Uh, the, the ebbs and flows, kind of just to figure your way out rotation-wise and just try to be a better player this year in the NBA. I just take advantage of every opportunity the coaches give me. Um, try to be, try, try to do my job on the floor while I'm out there. Coach has talked about just you being professional, man, and you being ready whenever he's asked to put you into the game. Just what about that? How important is that for you as a pro athlete to be ready when coaches ready to throw you out there? Well, that's one, that's part of our job. Um, you know, especially the guy in my position, you never know when you're going to, you never know what night you're going to play. You never know what, what night you're going you're gonna to play. And it's really just your job, not on the coach's job, to be as ready as possible mm -hmm. whenever time comes. For you, man, growth-wise this season, what was one of the main things you did in the offseason to kind of get you to where you're at right now? What would you work on in your game specifically to kind of get you better this year? It's really just getting the best shape as possible. Um, that's really it. Everything else will take care of itself. You know, 
they practice getting better at every single aspect of your game, but really just try to get in the best shape as possible. I know uh, for you guys, with, with you, Mason, and Mark, man, what's it like for you guys competitive-wise? How competitive are you when you're on the floor competing against each other to make you guys even better individually when you go out there uh, for your team? Uh, that just makes you a great teammate. Um, you know, once you, once you, if you really care about your team and want to see him progress, you, you compete with each other and try to make each other better as possible. Right. What's what's it been like, man, trying to, to teach Mark a little bit of the ropes that you had to kind of learn your first couple of years in the league? Um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm teaching him anything. I think I'm still in the learning phase myself, and I feel like he's getting this really basically been doing a really good job for the both of us. You know, just for the both of us to transition into the league. When you uh, look at your opportunities, Coach mentioned earlier that. As you say, it's hard for him to figure out to play three guys, but you probably will play a little bit more, I'm assuming, second half of the year. What about that? How much do you look forward to getting out there and, again, showing what you can do um, on the court? Uh, it's really important. I mean, you know, when the time comes, when the time comes for that, uh, I'm pretty sure he'll make, he'll make a good decision that's best for the team. And then can you explain what it's like for you to have to um, just wait your turn, man? Like, like, you're waiting your turn right now, but when you get out there, you do your thing, as an athlete, how do you how do you how do you how do you weigh that? Just keep taking it day by day and just keep going. <laughs> just last thing, man. Tell me about just uh, the team overall. You guys haven't had the season that you wanted to this year, obviously. But how do you go about finishing strong? What do you guys talk about to keep your morale in the locker room high throughout these, these tough times you guys have had this season? Well, each game we just got to think about is just getting better as a team. Um, Really, just better as players, you know. It's not the way we want it. It's not the way it's not the way it's going for us. But you know, we're here to do a job, and we're here to win, win as many games as possible. And that's how we're just gonna try, try to finish. Last thing, tell me about your best moment as a pro so far, man. What stuck out to you so far that you, when you sit, that, you sit back and you know what, man? That was my favorite memory so far as, as an NBA player. Uh, probably whenever the team gets together, team events. All right, that's the best moment so far. What about them that you excites you about those events? Let's be together as a team, you know, sharing, being, being brothers, you know. You know, I don't know how they say it, just a good feeling. Cool. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, Nick. Yep. Yes, sir. Thank mm -hmm. you. That is Nick Richards. As you guys can see, he's a man of very few words, but he, one of those guys who goes out there and works hard, puts his mind to what he wants to do, and tries to accomplish it. So we'll see what happens with him for the rest of the season. But Thanks to Nick Richards for joining me today for a couple of minutes. As we look ahead here, the Hornets are closing in on the All-Star break um, after playing four games in six nights with three of those games coming on the road, all losses, by the way. Um, they play five games essentially in a week as they head to the All-Star break, beginning, as I mentioned earlier, with their mini two-game road trip in D.C. and Boston wrapped around the All-Star, um, excuse me, wrapped around the trade deadline. Then it's a brutal back-to-back -back after they play that game in Boston. They have to come home and play the Nuggets, who just happened to have the reigning MVP, who's playing out of his mind yet again. They come in on Saturday night before the Hornets have a quick one-day break before hosting the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young and company at home. And then after that, they... Have one more game at home against the Spurs in 
what will be another one of those Victor Wimbanyama Bowls, that game will be their last matchup heading into the All-Star break. So I was surprised they actually, you know, <laughs> have been four or six in their last 10 games when you think about it, the Hornets, because they have these stretches where you, they just can't win games, of course. But now they're kind of back in that mode again. And, you know, the Wizards are a team they can beat. The Hornets can. Um, but the Celtics and Nuggets back-to-back, that's a brutal one. So, you know, maybe they can go three and two over these last five games and give themselves a little bit of positive reinforcement heading into the All-Star break. But, you know, um, at this point, it's going to be interesting just to see how, again, what the organizational thinking is moving forward once they get to the deadline because if it's all about just playing some younger players, then that means some of the veteran players, even though they're going to see minutes, they could decrease and therefore it could become more of a just about the Hornets getting their younger guys on court action to give them experience so they'll be able to be better going through the season in 2023-24. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to predict wins and losses for the Hornets going forward just because there's no real we have no real direction at the moment in terms of which way they're going to lean but either way as I mentioned earlier the schedule gets really easy for them with the second half of the season so I mean with games against the Spurs and coming up you can kind of see why but the Hornets Next five games should be very, very interesting. Even though on the back half, there aren't a lot of marquee opponents. But again, that Victor Wembanyama Bowl right before the All-Star break. It should be funny to see exactly what happens in that matchup and how both teams approach that game. All right, time for this week's random stat. And it, it centers around LaMelo Ball. You know, it's funny. I can still remember when people were questioning his jump shot when he first came into the league. But as you can see, working with Marlon Garnett, one of the coaches on Steve Clifford's staff, who was also on staff of James Borrego, he's refined his game a lot, especially his jump shot. And he's actually made a three-pointer in 43 straight games going into that game against the Wizards in D.C., on Wednesday. That represents the third longest streak in franchise history. Only two players have had longer streaks. That's Terry Rozier at 45 games and Baron Davis, B. Diddy, at 46 games. So again, LaMelo has the third longest streak of a three-pointer made at 43 games. If he hits one the next couple of games here, he can have this record before the All-Star break, which to me, again, just shows you the development of his offensive game, especially with his jump shot. So when he can get his all-around game to improve in the same fashion, man, it could be lights out. But again, it's funny if you think about his jump shot when he first came into the league and how much it was a question. Well, I think he's kind of settled that inquiry. And people can see now that Melo has an ability to hit that shot from deep. So you better play him 
behind that three-point line. There you have it. Many, many thanks to my guest, Nick Richards. And thank you so very much for joining me for the latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And the special offer to gain full access, click the link in my stories where it says, support my work with a digital subscription. All right, till next time, we out.